Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne for the honor of filling your pulpit today. I, th I think uh, Pastor Jurgen's one of the greatest speakers in the whole planet and uh, make you laugh and cry all within 30 seconds. Uh, just tremendous stuff, and so we're blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for sending missionaries from Australia to San Diego. Thank you for the amazing C3 Church, the impact it's had. You know, uh, California has needed a church like this, and it took someone with perseverance that could break through. And so we're just so excited to, to, uh, for what God's done, and, and the best is yet to come here in uh, beautiful San Diego. We, we've, we adopt San Diego and Phoenix every summer, so sorry, we send over like a million of us to drive you crazy over here. They, they call us zonies. Uh, oh, the zonies are in town, S slowing up the place. Uh, just a, a couple of things. Um, we, uh, I, it's it's a special thing when churches in this season in the kingdom still allow the Holy Spirit to move. And uh, what if the greatest move of God the earth's ever seen has begun or is beginning, and yet without the Holy Spirit leading it, many ministries and movements and churches are going to miss out on the full impact of what it could do. So this morning, this, the senior pastor of this church is the Holy Ghost. And uh, he's just going to tear up the place, okay? And, you know, uh, Pastor um, Leanne, when I was standing next to you um, in the worship, the Lord said this to me three times, that the enemy tried to steal your voice. I saw a period of time, like a three and a half year period, maybe 20 years ago, 20 to 17 to 20 years ago, where there was this, um, this unusual focus on you, just for no reason, the devil picking on you, and uh, just trying to, to shut up the prophetic gift in you, and trying to silence the, 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 the lioness roar in you. I feel like the Lord's just so proud of you for enduring a season of suffering, enduring a season of contradiction and conflict and unusual spiritual activity. And this is the season that God's raising up the, the lionesses of the kingdom. And you're at the forefront of this role of women that have survived, not just life, but have survived the mistreatment of the church. And I feel like the Lord's just so proud of you. And all the while, even before people knew you there was authority in you carry authority when you pray his enemy I saw I saw the enemy uh, taking one of your children and just dangling them over a cliff and you you begin to shout you can't have my son you can't have my son and he he had to let go and 
give control back to Jesus. There's great authority, and the women of uh, the C3 San Diego Church are called to be history makers or world shakers. There's something unusual upon uh, the women of this church because of the woman of the house who's overcome. And it's a big thing in God's eyes when you can, when you can take a licking and keep on ticking, when, when, you can, when you can love the very institution that's broken your heart. And uh, so you have something special in your pastor. Make sure that you honor and treat her that way. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. This, uh, what, was it George? Charles, I'm sorry. Is that Mrs. Charles? Okay. I, I, I got uh, Mrs. John messed up this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for Charles and his precious wife. Thank you, God, uh, for, you know, uh, Charles, the Lord uh, delights in you. And uh, since you've been like six and seven, you were a little fighter. You had to fight your way out of some difficult, unhealthy, uh, unsafe environments. And you became a fighter to survive your family. You became a fighter to survive an angry man. You became a fighter to survive an unjust environment. But the Lord's so proud of the way that he's, that you've allowed God to take the anger out of you. You're still a fighter, but now you're God's fighter. And the cool thing is, there's a fearless streak you have. You have fearlessness inside of you. And it's such a necessary thing for what God's been doing and God's going to continue to do through C3. Because I saw, I don't want to say too much, I think Pastor might show up next service, but I saw a string of lights go all the way up Northern California. They're all C3 churches about to explode all the way up to up the coast. There's a, the authority that the leadership's carrying is releasing these lighthouses of, king, of the kingdom of God, these places of love and grace to happen. I saw the Lord put upon an oldest child a great mantle of authority. I saw the Lord give your wife a miracle today. So everything you've asked God is going to do for you. God, I thank you. Um, um, Mrs. Charles, sorry. Uh, the spirit of false religion in your family is being broken. And you're going to see people radically transformed in these next three years. So, guys, thank you for visiting that family. In Jesus' name. This, uh, this uh, short fellow over here. What? Jeff? Lord, thank you for Brother Jeff. Thank you for his heart. Thank you. Um, Jeff, God didn't make things go wrong. God didn't make things fall apart so three times in your life going all the way back to 17 and a half covenants were broken promises were stolen from you the things that could have happened that should have happened didn't quite happen this last thing three years ago the Lord is healing you completely of the broken promises the the unkept covenants of people and you're coming into a season when you're going to help men come out of the prison of dreamlessness and heartache. And I saw the Lord take this big scepter and put it to your hands and say, tell him he has authority. And in this new season, you're going to unleash 
restoration into the heart of men that are broken, that are bound, that have been discarded, that have been neglected, their hearts unrepaired. And in your own family, younger brother, God's doing a miracle. God's doing a miracle all through your family. God, so I thank you for the great things you're doing. Thank you for, the, um, um, I see the number 11. I can't tell if it's a child or a, 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 a number. So I just loosen grace upon your whole family. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the big things you're doing. Amen, amen, amen. Someone, amen. Hey, I, I, I uh, want to show you a picture of my family. Uh, this is my, my tribe. Fifteen of us. We're adding two next year, though, so we're exciting. Uh, that's my son-in-law, BJ Putnam, my daughter, Melody, my son, Matthew, Candace. These are the Fab Five right here, my grandkids. It's my wife of 38 years, Mary Catherine, my son, Tim, Melissa, Christina, and Matthew, my youngest daughter. That's my uh, son and his wife. And uh, Tim is a musician in New York City, and... Uh, Matthew is a pastor, businessman, Melody courses, BJ or worship leaders, and then my daughter um, does the thousand things. So that's that's them. That's the Fab Five. So um, what a some people call it babysitting. I call it a pizza party. So my favorite thing when I you know when I'm, I'm busy is whenever I get a date, any date off, I I see if I can grab all five of them. And I'll take them to a movie. And then we'll go on a, a, a wilderness adventure, which is really just walking uh, around the golf course we live next to. <laughs> they can't tell the difference. Uh, although the older ones are starting to figure it out. Uh, Puppy, I think this is a golf course. No, it's a wilderness adventure. <laughs> and uh, we, we collect treasures, which are golf balls. <laughs> because all the tourists are afraid to walk into the desert. Uh, but not us, because we grew up in the desert. We just... We just say, we just rebuke the snakes. Get, get away from my golf ball, snake. So that's, uh, that's my kids. We, we, we uh, just came back from Flagstaff. We spent the week up in the mountains um, in a big house with them, and it was just our favorite time of year. Now, for a few moments this morning, I'm going to share something that I've, I believe the Lord put in my heart for you guys. Our title is Get Ready to Run. Hey, would you help me just turn, turn to someone beside you? Say, hey, man, get ready to run. Would you tell them that? Ready to run. Our main text is going to be Genesis chapter 41, uh, verse 14. It's the story of uh, the, the, the great leader, Joseph. And the Bible gives us so much insight from Joseph's life, his remarkable journey. And we can uh, gain and, and gather so much for our own uh, journey with Christ, so much information from here. The Bible says this in verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. You read that again. And Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Joseph shaved. He changed his clothing, and he came to Pharaoh. Loving God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this last day of 2017. All of us say in concert, thank you for this year. Thank you for bringing us through this year. Your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Great is your faithfulness. 
Thank you for the victories. Thank you for the comforting healings. Thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for the times you've rescued us and ministered to us. Everything that happened this year, we give you the praise and glory for, for bringing us through it all. And Lord, we ask you to move today, Holy Spirit, mightily in this beautiful church. Anoint your servant, your word, and your people. Have your way with us. Show the devil who's boss. And I pray, God, that something would be awakened in the heart of your people, a hope and expectation for what you're about to do, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Joseph, in this verse, had he's 30 years old, and he had been in a process a journey to his destiny for 13 years. From 17, when he had these remarkable dreams from God and his brothers betrayed him, they, they stripped off of him his, his coat of favor and threw him into a pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites. They carried him down to Egypt, and there Potiphar bought him as a slave. He served the house of Potiphar for several years until he was falsely accused of a sexual crime and then put into prison for the, the, the duration of that stay. So he spent this remarkable season. His education came not in a university but through difficult adversity. And Joseph is, is now at the place where God's ready to open the season of breakthrough and blessing. And so I just want to say a couple of things. I believe that 2018 is a season of supernatural divine acceleration for the body of Christ for your life. And that God's going to catch you up to places you should be. The things that he has for you in your story is never too late for God. It's never too late for old people to dream new dreams. It's never too late in your story to have a new beginning. And it's never too late for God to restore what the enemy has stolen from you. In the story of Joseph, the Bible says they brought him quickly out. The word quickly in the, in the Hebrew means running. So he's literally been pacing back and forth in a six by 12 cell for years and suddenly the doors open he's released to run he's released to go quickly into his destiny your God can catch you up to where you would have been if the storms of life had not somehow deterred you the, the, you know destroyed the possibilities God knows how to restore your life in fact Joel 2 verse 25 says God speaking to Israel speaking to us I will restore the years to you that the locust has eaten. God's a good restorer. He knows how to give us back what life is taking away. So how many of you would, would like to see God do something like that? So we're going to talk about a couple of things that we do to make sure that we're fully qualified, that we're not disengaged or in any way in disharmony with what God has for us in our journey, in our walk with God. So there's a great verse in Isaiah 65, and it says this, while you're yet speaking, I will answer you. Before you say amen, the answer is going to show up. God's going to do something great. It was, I think it was 1986, and I, was, or I had started a church in Scottsdale, Arizona, my hometown. And I was at the altar one Monday morning just praying by myself. And I was praying for a car. My, my wife would drop me off at church. We had three kids at that time. And, and then she would take the kids to school and do things. And so I didn't have a car. And I'm praying down front for a car, and I didn't hear the person come in, but they, he startled me, tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Pastor, do you need a car? I just had spoken out the sentence to God, God, I need a car. I'm a grown man without a car. And he said, uh, uh, you know, I said, yes, I, I need a car. So he said, well, I have a car for you. So we walked out in the parking lot, and the only car there was a Mercedes-Benz. And so 
I didn't even see it because that wasn't on my radar. You know, I'm 28 years old, and I have a small church. And I, so I said, I don't see a car. He says, well, Pastor, are you blind? There's this blue Mercedes. I said, are you kidding me? I was praying for a Ford 30 seconds ago, and God gives me a Mercedes Benz. Now, what, what does that mean? You can come into seasons of your life when things show up before you say amen. Before you're done asking, God can do things. And so that's what God can do. So it's a time. Revelation unlocks the door to a new season in our life. Revelation unlocks the will of God. So when God starts talking to us about what he has for us, this next year is going to be a great year in your life. God's going to catch you up. He's going to accelerate. He's going to restore what the devil has stolen from you. This is your take back from the devil year. This is your breakthrough year. This is your recovery year. This is your uh, acceleration year. And God's going to do all those things because he loves you. And he's for you. And, and God's interested in doing. So in, in California, almost every move of God that's had a lasting impact on America has begun in California. It's unusual. Starts over here, goes east. So from Azusa to the charismatic renewal, all kinds of things, the Jesus people revival, all kinds of things start here. So God, do something in San Diego, start something, and transform the country through it. Someone say, I'm ready to run. Okay, glad, glad. So the, 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 they're literally running, and the, because you're, when it's time for God to move, um, he changes the pace of your life. So, so in, the, in this season, he spent 13 years complaining about being locked up. And now he's trying to catch his breath as he's sprinting into destiny. But as he's sprinting, these beautiful, tall, these majestic warriors, these palace guards that had come to take, take Joseph from the prison to the palace, they, they said to him, um, you've got to do a couple things, young man. The first thing is you got to shave off your prison beard because you can't look like your history if you want to go into your destiny. You can't look like the past to seize the opportunity of the future. And so they hand him a razor and they said, would you please shave that off? If, if you want to be received where you're going because the people that you're going to don't want to hear the horror stories of your past. They want to be inspired and encouraged you're not a permanent victim. Don't, don't ever let a trauma you've been through become your identity. If you let Jesus, he'll heal you from anything. And so he's got the decision to shave it off. And so I just want to interrupt that by, by telling you a couple of things about our story. When Mary and I were, I, I went to seminary right out of high school. I've only loved one woman uh, my whole life. I've never drank, never smoked. Uh, and I'm not against all you drinkers and smokers. <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, I'm the, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyways, I said that because it created a certain climate in my mind when I was a young man. We started a church, our first church, when we were 27 in Scottsdale called the Eagle's Nest. And in 10 years, it grew to 4,000 people on the weekends in uh, my hometown. And we were building a 4,800-seat auditorium. God was visiting us. I had called out in a just service like this. I stopped preaching, walked to the very back row, and there was a young 19-year-old black man named Israel Houghton. He visited our church, and I said, God's, I gave him a prophecy about God healing his heart, about winning Grammys someday. He was slaying the spirit for 20 minutes in the aisle. 
When he came up, he was a new man. A month later, God told me to hire him at 19 to be our worship pastor. He didn't even know a worship song yet. But I had seen the future about who he was. And sure enough, he became those things. At 19 years, old, I, 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 19 years ago, I hired another 19-year-old named B.J. Putnam. And uh, he's, he turned out pretty good, too. And now he's uh, given me two grand grandsons and um, we're dear friends. And another guy, Ricardo Sanchez, came from, we, we had an explosion of things happen um, in those years at that church, all this creative energy and this dynamic gifts. And, um, but in, in August of 1995, when our building was halfway up, so we had this massive structure for a 4,800-seat auditorium, would have been the biggest church in Arizona, biggest building. Our church treasurer embezzled $20 million, all of our money. And uh, we had all of our accounts with him. He had a savings and loan kind of business. We had everything with him, our personal funds and our church funds. We lost it all and like that. And uh, 10 front page stories. And, uh, you, you know, if you've never been in the, in the media, just thank God you've never had to go through that. Uh, newscasters, death threats, people. Uh, everybody blamed me. And, you know, Mary and I lost uh, our own house um, in that season. We were literally homeless. The church grew from 4,000 to 120 people. I became uh, seriously depressed for two and a half years manically. My oldest son became a drug addict. He was an all-star athlete, a, a basketball player that could jump. And, uh, you know, um, I think in grade school he stepped it for the first, you know, first time just a great athlete. Started doing drugs because his heart's broken. All of his friends are, had, had left the church. And just all kinds of trauma hit our family. And I, I, I knew I was depressed because I was finishing my Ph.D. in psychology. And so I laid on my own couch, and I said, you're a sick puppy. And I said, yeah, I know. Leave me the blank alone, uh, Mr. Know-it-all. Thank you for the insight. So all those things really happened. And uh, I thought, it's, it's tough to be 37 and think your life's over, wow. to think your best days have come and gone. But that's how I felt because when hope walks out, depression walks in. Oxygen is, excuse me, hope is the oxygen of the human soul. Without it, our souls suffocate. And uh, so, anyways, the Lord walked me through a, a beautiful season of healing. He really helped me do some amazing things. But here's how I, my healing began. The Lord said to me, son, would you like to be free from all the pain you feel from the people that have hurt you? I said, yes, I would. And he said this. Uh, so powerfully to me. Here's what he said to me. If you'll forgive the people that have hurt you, I'll anoint you to forget the pain they've caused you. And Joseph had a son in chapter 41 named Manasseh, which means to forget. And, uh, and Joseph said, God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And I thought, well, God, how can you make me, how, how can I forgive people if I don't really mean it? And the Lord gave me a vision when I was talking with him, and it was of a long uh, train. And the engine of the train, maybe a mile long, said faith. And the very end of it was a caboose that said feeling. And here's what the Lord said to me, son, if you'll act in faith and forgive people, eventually your feelings will follow your faith. Don't wait till you feel like forgiving people because you'll never do it. Forgive them and bless them because Jesus said, bless your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you. And uh, so I, I started praying for our best friends were our associate pastors in the church. They took about 2,000 of our church members two blocks away from our campus 
started a new church, and every day I had to drive past that new church, taking my kids to high school four times uh, in the morning, afternoon, coming and going. And uh, so I just started praying for them. Lord, I pray for these people. I pray your will, your blessing. And, and as I said, I would pray scriptures, and I felt no emotional significance to it. I just was obeying God. About six weeks into it, I'm praying for them, and all of heaven came into my car. I felt an ocean of love for the people that had broken my heart. And I realized I didn't hurt anymore. And so I can testify to you that if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, Jesus Christ will anoint you to forget the pain they've caused you. That will happen. It's so important because Joseph's destiny was to lead Egypt and to rescue his family. But Joseph's history was being betrayed by his family and of Egypt. See, if you're not careful, the very people you're called to help, you'll hurt. If you don't deal with the pain between now and then, if you don't allow Christ to heal you, you know what we do here in the ministry is a very emotionally vulnerable occupation. And the way that we survive it is to be really good forgivers. When we forgive people, we untether our lives from the trauma they may have caused us. So Jesus said, forgive everybody all the time. He said the Lord's Prayer. And then he said this, forgive men their trespasses. Oh, by the way, if you don't forgive them, your heavens are shut. Okay? You forget about prayers being answered because God's forgiven us of so much. So I discovered that forgiveness heals. That every time I forgive, I begin a new season. Pastor, I want a new year. Then forgive everybody that messed with you this year. Forgive them all. Stop having your list. I'm making my list, checking it twice. Everybody on it is naughty, not nice. Get, get rid of your list. Make up with your family, dysfunctional people. Forgive people. Doesn't, even if they're dead, forgive them. Pastor, I've been traumatized or I was abused. I'm never belitt- I would never belittle your pain. I just want to encourage you. Forgiveness is for you. It helps you. And, and so you know your heart is healthy when it starts to dream again. And your heart can't get healthy until you forgive people that have hurt you. So that's what forgiveness does. It allows us to have a new beginning, a fresh start, a new season in Christ. All of us have been hurt. All of us have been wounded. But we don't have to let those hurts and wounds define who we are or contaminate our life. In the New Testament, the primary word for forgiveness or forgive is aphemi. And aphemi, A-P-H-E-M-I, means to let go. It means to shoot an arrow. It's really the, the picture of an archer shooting an arrow. So I have so much fun with my grandkids. Like I said, we have pizza party, and I, we have dance parties. And dance parties, when I just turn on real loud techno music, especially when they're little, they're just like popcorn, make them dance for an hour. I'm sitting on the couch just encouraging. They're all popping like popcorn. And I feed them sugar. I feed them pizza. And uh, I do all the stuff my kids tell me not to do to them. I said... So now, now the rules of you don't tell mom and dad what we're doing here's the chocolate break out the chocolate so a movie came out a few years ago because when you're a grandparent you know all the new movies and uh, in fact i took my the fab five to two movies this week and uh uh anyways the movie frozen came out and so the kids just love that movie but after the 102nd time it started having a tormenting effect on me. And they said, Poppy, we want to watch Frozen. I said, oh, really? 
And especially, she says, let it go, let it go. I'm like, oh, please, God, let it go. Let this, let this music video or let this disappear. Let it go, let it go. But when we let it go, when we trust God. So I was talking with someone the other day. He said, Pastor, I want God's vengeance. I said, do you really? You want God to punish people that have hurt you. But whenever you want that, you're in disharmony with God. God doesn't give you what you deserve. Stop asking God to give them what they deserve. Just, just, just trust God with people. Just trust God. Just let God sort it all out. He'll do a great thing. And so Joseph's shaving. He's running, trying not to cut his neck. He's running, shaving. And, and, and he's done shaving now, so his face looks good. He looks ready. He's let it go. He's but, but then the, the, the palace guard said to him, we've got one more thing. And Joseph had been wearing for many years a prison garment. And the prison garment, you know, in prison, you don't have a name. You have a number. He's, he's, he's prisoner number 77242. And, and, and so, um, see, so, so you can go through a bad thing so long that it becomes your new identity. But never grant the temporary permission to be permanent. Failure doesn't make you a failure. You, you with me? Failure. Everybody falls. That doesn't make you a failure. Just get up. Let God give you a new chance. And, and, and they said to him, here's your new palace garment, but we can't put it on for you. You have to decide if you're going to put on this new identity. Three times in Joseph's life, his brothers stripped his coat from him. In Genesis 37, they stripped off the, the, the father's public affection. Potiphar's wife stripped off of him his uh, reputation by falsely accusing him. He had been through strippings before, but this time God said to him, no one's going to take off of you what you won't take off yourself. You have to embrace your new identity. See, see, the Bible is primarily a book of identity, not behavior. Churches, you know, pastors get frustrated with people. They want, we want people to be, uh, you know, live holy. So we just jump right into behavioral things. But if you look, read the book of uh, Ephesians, there's three chapters about identity before there's even one mention about behavioral action. Why? Because you have to keep putting on the new until it's really you. The, 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 the Bible is, when we ask people to change their behavior before God's changed their identity, all we do is yoke them with more cumbersome religious traditions. Come on, I, I grew up in a culture, we, the, we actually knew how holy a woman was by how far her dress went down. The further it went, the holier she was. Oh, that's sister, look how holy, there's not... That's all the way down to her toes. She's holy. Another way we measured, we, we measured holiness was by, by uh, how un unhappy someone was. Oh, that, that, that sister miserable. She's so holy. She carries the burden of the Lord all the time. No, she's just a miserable person. The, see, the kingdom of God's joy. If we're not happy, listen, in the kingdom of God, you can be happy even when things are going crappy. That's the deal with God, okay? Another famous saying, okay, that we're supposed to adopt joy. And so they said to Joseph, put on this new garment. Now, we, you have to get this because um, Jesus, the Bible, is a mirror. So when I look at the Bible, 
James says, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues looking until they really see themselves, not being forgetful here, that person's blessed. Amen. So we're in a revelation season where God's telling us we're his sons and we're his daughters. See, I had a big church, then a little church, had public scandal, worst thing can happen in ministry, and I became depressed, seriously, and I became depressed because I let people, I, I'd been successful in, in high school and college at athletics and then building a big church, and so I built my identity off my successes. The problem is if you let people build you, they will break you. So in the kingdom of God, I had to go back to kindergarten. And in kindergarten, I sat down kind of like the big kid in a little chair. I, I'm, yes, Jesus. He said, my lesson today is I love you, Mike. I love you. You have to know I love you on your worst day as much as I love you on your best day. There's nothing you can do to influence my love for you. Those people I showed you, my four kids, my five grandkids, there's nothing they can ever do to make me stop loving them. I love them for one reason. They were born. They were born. So, so, so we're in a relationship with a father. He doesn't love us. I'm, you know, we're all going on a fast. Our church is tomorrow. And God won't love me more on my fast than when I don't fast. A couple, couple years ago, in one, in one through, uh, year time, I fasted 100 days, complete fast, 100 days, 240 days fast and a 20-day fast. Then my wife finally said to me, uh, please don't die. Please eat. And she said, you know what? Make sure you're not trying to earn something by your behavior, which God gives you simply because of Jesus. Everything I get, I get because of Jesus. Amen? Jesus plus nothing gives me everything. Grace is Jesus plus nothing, okay? So, they, 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 they said to him, hey, put on this new garment. Put on this new garment. I am who God says I am. Amen. So life will try to make you into someone you're not. But your identity, your kingdom identity is the key that unlocks your kingdom destiny. Whenever you talk to God about, God, what do you want me to do? God will always answer you by talking about who you are. I want you to be a son. If you become a son, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. The doing comes after the whoing, okay? You will only know who you are. The doing then is a byproduct, not a, a complicated scenario of obligation. No, that's who sons, sons and daughters behave in a way that pleases the father. Ah, there we go. In fact, you know, when, when, when I... Um, started that uh, that church and Israel was our worship leader and I um, um, that all happened because one day I was driving home from a church and our church had blossomed to about 1,500 people and I was complaining about the worship leader the joke was I was the worship leader <laughs> so I'm still leading worship and I said Lord I, I passed this little bar called the Dirty Drummer and I said God there are better musicians playing for 10 drunks than the Dirty Drummer than I have for 1,500 people at Eagles Nest. And so I got home, I'm just pouting it all. And he said to me, why don't you do something about it? I said, what, do you want me to take music lessons? I don't know what you... He said, command the musicians to come out of darkness into my kingdom. I go, whoa. So I prayed that prayer. And within a couple of weeks, the owners of the largest nightclub in Arizona got saved. It was a jazz nightclub called Chewy's. And when they got saved... They brought the, all their, so I had the best bass player, drummer, saxophone player, trumpet player, 
in all of Arizona. Sitting. Now, I'm not a genius, but after seeing them there for like three weeks, I'm thinking, I look at them, look at my team. I brought them on the stage. And so I, I, I would get notes from people. Pastor, those people you have on the stage, they own a nightclub where they serve a liquor, where people shake their booties. And they're up there defiling our holy. T and, and, and I just would tell church, you know what? You have to give Jesus the time to change people. And so Jesus, give, just give him time. And so about six months later, this couple, Jim and Nancy Simmons, they asked for an emergency meeting. I thought something was wrong. And I came into the meeting in my office. They're weeping their hearts out. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? They said, nothing's wrong. God told us to shut down our business. We've been offered $6 million to sell it, but we're going to shut it down and take nothing. And so I thought, are you sure you don't want to sell it? <laughs> I'm, I'm calculating the tithe. Six million, six million. Forgive me, Lord. That's the that's truth. So I'm wondering how many of the people that criticized them could have behaved so righteously. If we just let Jesus show us who we are. It's a new season. Things are accelerating. Things are about to break through in your life. Things are about to advance supernaturally. So anyways, our story was my son who was a drug addict was... He was in, I think, 20 years old, and uh, he was playing college basketball. And uh, someone tricked him into meeting a girl at some other church. He stopped going to our church. When he turned 18, he moved out of our house. Drug dealers trying to kill him, police trying to arrest him, that kind of story. And uh, so someone tricked him to go to church to see a girl. He's sitting in the very back row of a church. And the power of Almighty God came upon my backslidden son. He fell down in the aisle. For 90 minutes, he shook. When he got back on his feet, he was delivered from seven years of cocaine addiction. Supernatural. <laughs> happened to my son. Now, I, I want to say this for a couple of parents here or any, any, any family issues. I've been praying for seven years for my son to be free. When he moved out, I would, just, I would go into his bedroom where he didn't live anymore. I just would sit, lay in his bed and just weep. I said, God, don't let my son die. You know, that, that, that's how bad it got. And finally, the Lord said to me, stop talking about your son as if he's never going to change. I want you and your wife to talk about your son as if he's already in his destiny. And next time you see your son, you act like he's already a man of God. And so I, my son's always been respectful. Today's, in fact, today's his birthday. And so I put my arms around my son with his his. His bloodshot eyes as a son, you're going to change the world. You're a history maker. You're, he said, yeah, dad. Yeah. Uh, Mary and I, our son's going to change the world. He's a mighty man of God. Six weeks later, I've been praying for seven years. Six weeks after we, after we started doing that, God visited my son. Fourteen years ago, we started over. It took seven years to walk our church through bankruptcy. Cor chapter 11 corporate to pay off our debt construction payments. We started over 63 people, 64 people. We went from Scottsdale to Sunny Slope, a high crime, the highest crime part of Phoenix. Started a church called Church for the Nations. And Jesus Christ gave me a second chance. God, eight years ago, someone gave us a very expensive property with a 2,400-seat auditorium, 135,000 square feet, 
of buildings on Central Avenue in downtown Phoenix for free. We've had miracle after miracle. Listen to me. I found out God can catch you up. God can, God can accelerate things. I felt like in my 30s, I was ahead of the race. And I was way ahead and I tripped. And while I'm down, the rudders got way ahead of me. Life got ahead of me. And when I got up, I was heartbroken. How can I ever catch back up? But I didn't know God as good as I do now. That he can work all things together for good. And now we have a church with 150 nationalities this morning in our services. 150 nationalities in one location. We have church in Arabic, Nepalese, Eritrean, Ethiopian, um, Spanish, Miramar. This morning on our church, the nations, God has made it all come true. All, all man. God needs our cooperation for our restoration. When we cooperate by giving him our yes, it's time to dream again. It's time to get excited. It's time to put your tennis shoes on. Amen. In my 50s, I discovered three important things. Grandchildren. They're so awesome. I would have skipped children gone straight for the grandchildren. No, I love my kids too. Grandchildren. Totally awesome. I promise you. Number two, power naps. Uh, hate to confess it. Power naps, awesome. Number three, tennis shoes. I want to thank Benny Perez and my other tennis shoe wearing friends. It finally, this last year, I discovered tennis shoes. Oh, I feel so good. So, uh, here's my point. God has given me a second chance at life. My wife calls me Lazarus. She actually calls me that. Because I was down for the count, baby. No one in my city gave me a chance but Jesus wasn't done with me and he's not done with you he's not done your story's not over come on send your feet give God a praise would you uh would you bow your heads for um this couple right here yeah with the white top and yeah and the curly hair, yeah, you too. God's visiting your home. God's restoring for almost a four year, four years back. God's going to give you a, a remarkable supernatural restoration. You're about to reconnect with a family member that's been disconnected. God's doing a miracle. God's doing a miracle in a financial arena also. And I declare over your physical body, sister, a miracle today that God heals you. God visits your home in every way to help you. To show you he's for you and to answer prayers. This is the answered prayer season of your life. With, with your eyes closed, there are two people here that have been wrestling. And um, no one knows it, but God and you, you've been wrestling with suicidal thoughts, hopelessness. And Jesus loves you so much. And I'm just going to whisper a prayer for you. But if you say, Pastor, while no one's looking around, say, Pastor, I've been fighting some suicidal thoughts. Would you just wave your hand at me because today's your deliverance day. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, so um, church, we're going to pray. So like um, seven hands just went up, okay? So we're going to pray in the mighty name of Jesus. We rebuke the assignment of the devil against these beautiful people. And we loosen the grace 
the healing grace of Jesus. And God, I pray today that hope overtakes darkness, that a divine spark, a divine awakening in their hearts happens. And devil, you can't have any of them. Thank you, God, for their honesty, their beautiful honesty. Christ's name. Once again, no one looking around. If you're here today, listen, it's been a, a great honor um, to speak to you. But the most important thing in life is what you believe about God. The second most important thing in life is what you believe about yourself. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, man, this is your day. What a great way to begin a new year is discovering Jesus. The Bible says God so loved, not that he loved, he so loved the world, a broken, fallen, sinful world, that he sent and gave us his only begotten son, Jesus. That whoever, whenever, wherever would receive him would not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you've been struggling in your walk. You've been away from God. Make this your turnaround Sunday. Make this your breakthrough Sunday. If you say, Pastor Michael, that's me. I'm, I'm ready to receive Jesus or I'm ready to come back to Jesus. We're just going to say a public prayer. But if you say, please include me in that prayer, would you just wave your hand at me and hold it, hold it, hand up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hands coming up all over the church. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to ask the whole church to say this prayer with me. And uh, you that raise your hands, several dozen, would you just make these words your words? Please repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, today I open my heart and I receive your Son, Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Today I turn from my past and I surrender to you. From this day forward, I will follow you, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, thank the Lord with me. A bunch of folks just prayed that prayer. Good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. I've got... I've got 90 seconds left. I'm gonna, would you just join hands together across the aisle? Just for the next 90 seconds, would you, would you pray a, just a big prayer? Everything you've, you want God to do for you, would you pray God would do it for the person you're touching right now? Father, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, thank you for a season of running, a season of acceleration, a season of restoration. Healing's not done until restoration's complete. Let the restoration season begin. Acceleration. Lord, help families, help marriages, help physical healings. Do miracles in every life in this room. God, thank you for helping people outside the room. Father, bless families that aren't here because of the ones that are here. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Come on, just a little bit longer. God, release heaven. Release your spirit, your will, your purpose. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.